Welcome to Reconciling Grace, a program where church leaders discuss various topics from the Bible. During the discussions, there may or may not always be agreement from every panel member on every point, but there is full agreement on the fact that the way to God the Father is through the reconciling grace of Jesus Christ. Welcome to Reconciling Grace. This is a podcast where we discuss topics and passages related to the Bible. My name is Pete Vecchi. I'm an associate pastor for Christway Community Church in Pleasantville, Ohio. I'm joined by Pastor Don McDonald. He's also known as Pastor Mac or P. Mac. He is the pastor at Danforth Reformed Church in Danforth, Illinois. And I'm also joined by Josh Kugel, who is the pastor of First Baptist Church of Lyman in Gulfport, Mississippi. And I'm going to throw this over to Josh in just a moment as we um, talk about missions and the church. Um, Josh just got back uh, last week, I guess it was, from a mission trip, uh, going to Florida, and this is post-hurricane Florida. So Josh, why don't you let us know a little bit about uh, what you did, and let's go from there after we talk a little bit about that. Hey, let me, uh, you guys know that I have trouble like not talking, and this is probably going to be another one of those episodes, just so you know. So I got to go back a little further than my trip. Um, I, I majored in religion, but not because I felt called into pastoral ministry. And so I went to work uh, in computers and worked for a while as a web developer and as a lead web architect and that kind of stuff. And about the age of 29 or so, God started really dealing with me and said to me, I think... At least this is the way I heard it. You know, Josh, I've got other people that can work in computers. I need you to be um, in ministry. But I didn't know what that meant. So I went back to school. And one of the things I did is I applied to be a missionary through the denomination that I belonged to back then. And I do not feel called to missions. Um, I am the person that would least, that would do horribly in the jungle of Africa or or the boonies in South America or something like that. But I felt like I should be willing to do whatever it took and let God kind of sort out <laughs> what that looks like. So I applied to be a missionary. They rejected me. I don't know why, because, I mean, look at me. Um, well, maybe you weren't called to be a missionary. How it about could that? be. It, it could also be what they told me is I needed some more stuff. Um and so I was relieved because I really didn't want to go to the mission field. I think I think sometimes we should model for our, our young people, our kids and other people, too, that we're willing to do whatever God would tell us to do and maybe even prove it, hoping that God may give us a little less. But anyway, that's kind of what happened to me. But then uh, in school and then I ended up in ministry and everything. But um, I've had opportunities over the years. Uh, just because of networks and everything else. And just because um, as a pastor, I've always said, um, if there's an opportunity, I'm going to say yes to it unless I hear God telling me no. And so I've been, uh, my first trip was a long time ago to Belize. I've been in Nicaragua. Um, and, and more of what I've done are these disaster relief trips. Um, we're back in, I think it was 2011 when I was just talking about it uh, in church. Um, I was talking with some people at church after a tornado in Joplin, Missouri, if you guys remember that. Um, and I said, well, I wonder if there's anything we could do to help. And somebody said, yeah, we can send like uh, water and paper goods. And I said, well, you know, or something else. And somebody said, well, you mean like go? And I said, yeah, let's do that. And we took a big group in like a week's notice. And I started thinking, hey, this is something we can do. 
And so now I've been to Joplin and Houston and Baton Rouge. I didn't live in those places at that time. Uh, Panama City, Puerto Rico, um, I think one or two others. And then last week, I had a friend of mine in Ohio that Pete knows, and he takes his church on a lot of these. And he said, hey, Josh, we're going to uh, we're going to uh, Fort Myers, Florida next week. What do you think? And I'm like, well, all right, I'll do it. Um, so we went down to uh, Fort Myers, um, the church, his church, our church, like raised a ton of money to send us and, and pay most of the bills and everything from it. But I took my, uh, 16 year old daughter and she was able to go and watch dad and watch a lot of church people, um, do some really good stuff. And so we worked on our own a little bit. We worked for a school and a church, and then we worked with an organization called Operation Blessing. Um, and we, uh, we, tore out a lot of drywall and blue tarped a, a church and school and did the same to house after house after house. Um, there was, we, we ran into a lady who was waiting on our table and she said her husband died just a few days ago and we were able to bless her monetarily. And then there was another family. They bought their home six months ago. Uh, they didn't have insurance because they had hurricane insurance, but they had four feet of water in their house and hurricane insurance doesn't cover flood. And so they threw everything out that they owned because of sewage and the water and everything. And they were not knowing how they were going to make it. And we bring this big team in, tear out all the drywall over the house, take all their stuff to the, the road. We save their granite countertops, take out their bathroom and everything. This is thousands of dollars worth of work. We come in with a smile and say, not only that, but we're going to give you some money to bless you. And these people are crying. They just became Christians like five months ago. And we kept telling these people, and it's something that I really believe is that God saw you in your distress and he wanted to make sure that you knew that he was sending someone to meet with you in your distress. And that's me. And we pray with him and tell. And so, and, and so I'm just, I'm kind of excited about this stuff for so many reasons. One is it does bless people that we're going to help. The other thing is it blesses me um, because uh, how foolish it would be for me not to realize how blessed I am and that, my cup runneth over when we talk about this is just kind of a different thing, but, but I've been blessed so much that when I look at somebody in a bad situation, the last thing I should say is, Oh, I'm glad that's not me or something. It's I have so much, what can I do for that person or something? But the biggest blessing for me for this trip is once again, I've been able to do this with all my kids, but I took my daughter to go help people in a hopeless situation and she's looking at her dad and she's looking at all these people from the church. And and you guys know there's so many people that are leaving the church saying, you know, the church is hypocrites. The church doesn't believe what they, you know, they're all about money or power or whatever else. And my daughter's perspective right now is when the church hears about all these people in Florida that their lives are falling apart. They don't have insurance because none of the people we helped had insurance that actually worked in their situation. When they're losing everything, the church goes in and meets their need and blesses them and prays with them and tells them about that Jesus loves them. And I left from that trip once again, like I have with just about every one of them, just thinking, man, God, thank you for sending me. Now, if you would ask, hey, did God send you there? And I'm like, well, he didn't tell me not to go. <laughs> so I'm choosing to believe that I was responding to his call to go there. So I don't want to take the whole show. You guys uh, add add what you want or or I'll uh, jump in sometime. So. Uh, and I think, Josh, when we think missions, I agree missions is like down in Florida or 
you know, sending teams. Now we have not been strong as a small church sending teams, but we had a couple who had close to $750,000 worth of medical bills from Mayo Clinic. She was a, a, a kidney pancreas double transplant and was an experiment uh, for Mayo Clinic, and, but they needed a roof. So all of a sudden, here's my little girl church over there. They take the old roof off. They replace some rotten spots on the roof. And so missions for us is much more in the backyard mm-hmm. than it is far away. And and I, I grew up in a church where it was said, if you're so busy reaching out and doing missions, you don't have time to argue in the church. Mm-hmm. And, and I have believe that heart and soul all the way in my 28 years here at, at Danforth. And so while I may not send people to Florida or to Taiwan or all the above, we've done a lot of what I call domestic mission in, in our own backyard. Um, and, and I think missions is one of those things where, yeah, it's about going away. Yeah, it's about forming those special groups, but it can also be in your own backyard. And, and I think that's the thing that really comes to my mind is how, how do you make a difference where God places you is really what we're saying. I think it's important, too, to look at what Josh said as far as was he called to this. I, I really like the way you said it, Josh. You figure unless God is telling you no, or you didn't quite use those words, but you figured that, hey, if he's... If it's the opportunity, I don't remember exactly how you said it, but the opportunity was there and you didn't feel God telling you not to do it. So, you know, in essence, we are all called to share the gospel, to to be, I like to use the term, to be Jesus with skin on his face to other people. Um, You know, he... He would help when when he would be walking this world back in the uh, basically three years when he walked in in uh, the Jerusalem, Nazareth, you know, all that area. He would help people wherever he went, and and he told us, he told all of us in in uh, Matthew twenty eight to go into all the world and share the gospel with all creation. Yeah. Um, baptizing in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and teaching people to obey everything he commanded us. So there's definitely a call uh, in the Bible for everybody to be part of missions. Well, and, and, and I'm going to give it back to you really quick, but I preached on it after I preached on it after I got back in Galatians 6.10. says, therefore, whenever we have the opportunity, we should do good to everyone, especially those in the family of faith. Mm-hmm. So the calling there is when you're presented with an opportunity to do good to everyone, especially those in the family faith. Now, my friend called me and said, Josh, you want to go with us? So what is that? An opportunity. And that was a call, a literal call. It, hey, Josh, you want to go? Absolutely. Now, he's not God, yeah. <laughs> but maybe he was acting on behalf of God. But but I, I almost think this, this, this verse sets up a, um, a really easy to understand, hey, should I be doing this kind of thing? If, if you're presented with an opportunity to do good, especially those in the family of faith, um, how, how can you say that's not God's will for you? Mm-hmm. Um, unless you can kind of look through it and say, oh, this isn't really good or something like that. Okay, but this is, hey, Josh, um, 
you you're a lot of people don't understand this about pastors pastors we we have some stress and there's some things with our schedule and all but the other thing is if a mission trip ever comes up or something like that our churches are generally like yeah you go <laughs> or at least mine has always been um you know or today my my wife went to the hospital you know went to the hospital and i can just go with her um so this is kind of cool that so i have an opportunity uh the church is going to send me so i have the resources I have the time because the church is going to say, you know what, we do want our pastor to do stuff like this. And so if me, I, I don't know, me saying yes is kind of like, uh, God, it seems like you set this up. I don't know. Sure. But go ahead, Pete. No, no, but you're, you're, you're right. And I mean, what you just said, you're serving as an example as well to your congregation. Um, because I don't, did, did other people from your congregation go with you or is it just you? We had uh, me, my sixteen-year-old, and another couple in church. Okay, and and, and if you're not in the, if you're not in the, if you don't do these often in your church, the church we went with, they do these all the time, so they get bigger groups. Um, it takes a long time for a church to start to believe that they can do this kind of stuff, mm -hmm. and it has to be modeled for them, and not only modeled for them, it just has to be talked about all the time. One of the things I and and, and sorry to take, uh, we've been talking about evangelism. And one of the things I've been talking about is um, it could be, and everybody's frustrated because there aren't new believers coming in all the time. And a lot of people are leaving churches all over and our church is doing okay. But, um, but you start to get to it. Remember how much we used to talk about evangelism in the eighties and nineties. I mean, it was like 80% of all that we talked about, maybe 60% or something. Now it's like 10%. And, and you've got to, I don't know if it's it's these prosperity preachers or whatever. You got to you got to speak what you believe or speak. You know, I think there's some truth to that. If if you're not actively all the time talking about these kind of things, they're not going to be in your DNA. Um, you know, if you're not telling people, hey, we should be a mission sending church or we should be an evangelistic church, and this is what it means, and we're going to preach on it ten times a year, you're not. That's not going to be part of your DNA. Mm -hmm. um, and so, if a pastor stands up one week which I think a lot of get frustrated. Hey, we should go here and nobody responds. Well, it's because you've only done it one time, one week, and it's not in your DNA. But if you start talking about it often and start giving opportunities and stop modeling it, you'll be surprised how quick your church turns into ascending church. But go ahead. No, I know that, um, you know, Church of the Nazarene, which is where I'm credentialed. Yes, I'm serving in a in a uh, 3CU church right now, but I'm still credentialed in the Church of the Nazarene. And, and we've always had that mission mindedness. I mean, they wanted you to have at least one mission service a month um, back from the time when I was senior pastoring there. Um, going back to even though before I was called into ministry, it was one of those things where it seemed, and I'm going back now probably 20 years or so, it seemed like everything was about going to Africa or Papua New Guinea. Kind of like what you said, Josh, you know, is like those are the two places where missions had to take place. And it wasn't until a little bit after that where they started talking about missions at home, kind of like what Don was talking about with, you know, he's in he's in rural Illinois, but they have ministry and, and mission work um, in, in Chicago and places like that where, you know, it, it used to be that we were the sending people. It got, I, I guess it really hit me hard when I learned uh, probably a decade or so ago that 
the United States was now being looked at as a mission field by some non-American churches. Um, that that spoke a lot to me. Say, hey, what are we doing about missions even here at home? Um, so that got me to see missions in a different light. I don't know that I would have ever probably 20, 30 years ago, again, before I was called into ministry, I don't know that I would have ever thought of a trip to help the people after a hurricane in Florida as a missions trip. It is a missions trip. I just wouldn't have thought of it that way because it was in Africa, you know, and I think that that's part of what we struggle with sometimes. Yeah. Don, you're leaning in. You have anything to say about that? I, I think with missions in general, though, there's been like multiple paradigm shifts probably in the last 30 years. And, and part of it, I think, lies in that the relationship of the church to culture has changed so much that it's become more difficult for a North American church to really see themselves as a mission church. And, and we were kidding about it before we came online because we try to be politically correct now. And sometimes in that curse, and I'm going to be aggressive on this one, in that curse, being the voice of Jesus sometimes is conflictive. Being the voice of Jesus means you do have to attack things that aren't in line totally with scripture and say, hey, this is who we are as Christ as we do this mission work. So I think the mission work in the States sometimes is more difficult um, in that light. So, you know, and, and when I think about missions, probably in the last 30 years for Danforth Church, you know, they've sent out their share of ministers and missionaries over the years um, I think they still find themselves wondering if they can make a difference as a small rural church in East Central Illinois. And what's become humbling is COVID forced us to be a digital ministry. And the digital ministry is not about caring for the church. It's about becoming missionaries across the United States. You know, that's the thing that I, th I think, I agree with Josh, you know, what is the DNA of the minister? Is the DNA of the minister such that it's an evangelist, a missionary, and a pastor? You know, and if that's what you do within the life of the church, where you see yourself that way, the church should be, and this is a great debate we had at Trinity, I remember when I was a student, the church really needs to become a missionary front and not a church. If you know what I'm saying, it's, it's that great debate of, are you a fortress or are you a hospital as a church mm -hmm. a hospital? Then therefore you should be a missionary church. You should be sending people out in your own backyard. We support God's food pantry. We support youth for Christ. We work with youth for Christ real tight. Because the amount of, we're now on, what, the third generation of unchurched in America. And and you begin to think about missions in that light. Um, and I, I think when we're looking at, you know, missions in the church, I think the church itself needs to really, in North America, let's hone in, focus in on that. 
maybe we've gotten so busy with these cultural arguments that we've forgotten how to be missionaries in our own backyard. It's so important, I think, to just stand up for Jesus. And one of the struggles that I have, and, and this may be taking us way far afield here. One of the struggles that I have is having grown up um, in a totally different type of culture than I live in now. Um, the people who I know, for instance, who I kept in touch with, and I'm not talking about ju just you, Don, you're, you're probably the exception as far as people from high school, but I would say people from high school would be 75% uh, either irreligious or very liberally religious minded, you know, um, talking about the, the church in ways that, that I don't even understand, it seems, um, talking about, you know, the church being all about love. For instance, you know, uh, many people who I know who claim to be Christians um, are all for same-sex marriage. Um, same thing with people who I went to college with. And that was a Lutheran school where I went to college. And it seems like a lot of those people, and believe it or not, I got entirely sanctified when I was at that college. But now I would say the vast majority of people who I know, who I went to college with back, you know, 30, 40 years ago, um, the vast majority probably are, are very liberal when it comes to the theology. And then the question starts coming into, okay, so what is the church? What is the church supposed to do? How are we supposed to be Jesus? And some people would try to say, well, you got to be Jesus by accepting people for who they are. And, uh, you know, this all of a sudden gets into, well, well, what does missions look like? And the point is, when you go on a mission trip like Josh went, I don't know if they asked that question a whole lot before they, they helped anybody. You know, you helped the people who needed help, didn't you, Josh? No, we had them fill out a 108-point doctrinal agreement yeah. survey. Uh, <laughs> no, uh, no, we went out and helped them. Um, yeah. And I don't I, know. I think that's the struggle, Josh, is, you know, I, I you, you, you know where people are at. You got to work with them where they're at. And then as time goes on, you start to get in these deeper conversations about these other things. Yeah, that that's the thing is um, the goal of a mission trip and the goal of a Christian doing missions or you know, missions kind of because you can have you can have work and witness trips or but but you can have solely witness trips and you can have work trips, which this was primarily. But the goal of all of them is to create an opportunity for people to meet Jesus and and not. And Jesus set this example too. I mean, Pete, you you pushed all of my buttons when you were talking about, um, you know, being like Christ or whatever means accepting people. How? Uh, oh no, I didn't say I believe that. I said I know, how, I know. How, how, yeah, because I've, I've experienced that with Jesus. People never told anyone to go and sin no more. He always said, "You're good enough. You're smart enough, and doggone it, people like you." Yeah. He was the uh, who's that? Stuart Smalley of the uh, the ancient world. The old Saturday Night Live. Stand. For the record, those of you who are listening to this podcast that are, are like semi-new to Christ, uh, Reverend Kugel is being tongue-in-cheek as big as the tongue-in-cheek can be. Yeah. <laughs> Just to let you know. <laughs> so, um, but the thing is, 
we have to remember, we have to understand, I don't care what progressive church or anything by, by says, you can literally gain the whole world and lose your soul and your life will be a net loss. Um, and so we can come to your house and we can tear all the drywall out. We can give you money and, and, and all this stuff and we could leave and you're in a better physical situation than when we got there, but you could still be on your way to hell and still miss out on Jesus. And it does no eternal good for us to come to your house in that sense, except for the reason we go is we want them to see the church in action. We want them to be prayed with. And we want to tell them that we are there because Jesus loves them. And if they take that and say, hey, man, the church isn't bad as I thought. Or if we have an opportunity as we're talking about them, we ask them, you know, is there something we can pray for you about? And we're able to introduce them to some way to a spiritual victory. That's the whole point. Mm -hmm. And the better trips, this is this was a good trip. But the better trips, man, I, and I'd love to go on one someday. But I, I don't, do you guys do Operation Christmas Child at all? Yeah, we do. You do. Yeah. Have you ever seen the videos of the mission people, the missionary people that go and take those? Yes. Yeah, and you've got, and you were talking about in America, it's hard to do this stuff. You've got in those third world countries, a receptive audience of people that don't have anything and you're giving them something. And most of the time have not, or have not heard a very good presentation of what the gospel actually is. And here's these missionaries going in and all these people are hungry for Jesus and maybe a little bit of Western culture. And I don't know what it all is, but at least in that process, they're able to present them with the gospel message. And these kids are saying, well, that makes sense to me. And maybe, you know, some of them will say the prayer and not really mean it or it won't last or whatever. But some of those kids actually get become Christians, start going to church, uh, turn their life over to Jesus. Many become a pastor or a missionary someday themselves. And and that's the best missionary experience, I would think, or at least the, the one where you see the most spiritual fruit or whatever. But all of these, you know, if we ever take a mission trip just so that we can help people, well, what do they call those, the Cajun rednecks or whatever, um, the Cajun army? Isn't that what it is? The 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 people in Louisiana that respond to these with their boats and their you're their from feet. that area. I don't know. I, I think that's what it's called. It's like the Cajun Army or something. We're it's just the uh, low life northerners right now. Yeah. Well, it, it's 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 a bunch of it's a bunch of rednecks or something southerners or whatever that every time there's a hurricane they call all their buddies and they get all their boats and they run to that hurricane to try to save people and all that kind of stuff, but. And as cool as that is, they're not introducing the hope of Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. So it's going to do some physical good, which is great. And I'm all for that. But if the church ever gets into the same business for the same reasons, we are lost. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's it. Uh, I, I don't want to be. And it's kind of like, you know, if we ever get into I, I was driving by a Catholic church in New Orleans this morning. It says bingo night or whatever. And and I know the Catholic church does a lot of good. And that's not a. but there are a lot of people that just go to church for bingo night. And there are a lot of people whose probably ministry is holding a bingo night. And if that's all you ever do is host a bingo night for your community so they can have fun on a Thursday night, you've completely missed your calling. And as a matter of fact, you may be offering people a false sense of hope as they walk into a church to play bingo and think they're good because of the proximity to something and they're missing out on what really matters. Yeah. Um, so that's, that's one of the Josh, challenges. Oh, go ahead. I think Josh, the thing that comes to my mind and you said it a couple of paragraphs back um, is creating opportunity, 
missions is creating opportunities to have discussions about Jesus. Now, those opportunities might not happen right away. It might be two, three years down the line, and they'll say, hey, wait a minute, we had these guys that came into our house, cleaned everything out. That conversation could happen three years down the line, and they said they were from the Church of Jesus Christ. So, you know, if anything, I I worked with one individual for 15 years before she came to Christ. Do you mean the Latter-day Saints Church? I don't know. <laughs> the Church of Jesus Christ. Okay. <laughs> no. I, I mean, and, and I think that's the thing about, you know, when I'm looking at missions in the church, you know, I the greatest frustration I think that I have is, no, I have not had the affordability in time or resources to go do actual, quote unquote, mission work like yourself, Josh. But we've done a lot of work in the backyard, you know, and, and both are valuable. Both are important. Both have a place in the kingdom. And, and I really think, you know, in my mind, and in one breath, I'm going to be political, I guess, for a moment, is that we've spent so much time on the LGBT community and that whole argument, life of the church. I'll be blunt. We lost Jesus. We lost Jesus so busy arguing about that issue that we forgot to be Jesus. That became, I'm saying that as a semi-retired preacher now, that became more the flag than the cross. You mm -hmm. know, and the last general senate I attended, I, I made that real clear that I I am not going to lower my standards to use a high altar of lifestyle to argue over because we're not being Jesus. Yeah. yeah. I can walk and chew gum at the same time. So yeah. I'm, I'm not I'm good, good at that. Yeah. <laughs> what is it? What is it? The Bible says that pure and genuine religion, the sight of God, the father is this to love the Lord, your God with all your heart, soul, mind, mind. mind, or no. And then to love your neighbor as yourself. So you can do both. You can be holy and you can, you can yeah. represent, but, you, but you, yeah, I, I hear you. Yeah, no, we, we can get, we can get one, we can get one track focused and maybe doing missions and doing, you know, whether it's in your backyard or not keeps us from being, uh, keeps us from being lost in one issue or something. Agreed. Like that. Agreed. Well, and I, I think the big thing, I'm sorry, Don, I didn't mean to interrupt you there. No, I'm used to it. I'm married. <laughs> Maybe one of the big things, though, this is what I was getting at, Josh, is that just missions, whether it's close by home, whether it's, you know, uh, oh, far away. I mean, I went to Russia twice on mission trips back in the 1990s. Um, it, whether it's close, whether it's far, it gets our eyes off ourselves. It gets our eyes on others and helps us to see that Jesus wants us to serve wants us to help other people, wants us to love other people. Now you can get into the weeds and say, okay, what is it to love somebody? You know, as, as Josh, you know, I agree 100% with you. Jesus didn't say, oh, you're good enough, you're nice enough, whatever. You know, Jesus said, go and sin no more. Um, is that always the, the, the first thing you say? You walk up to somebody and you say, Jesus loves you, now quit sinning. You know, or is it, um, you know, hey, Jesus loves you. Let me see if there's some way I can help you with your needs and then develop a relationship, meaning relationship, friendship type of deal. I'm not talking about, you know, uh, like like carnal relationships or something, but still um, the idea being 
get to know somebody, get to know what they need, get to know what makes them tick, and then you can maybe more effectively communicate the true gospel to them. Um, you know, and that's that's part of what being a missionary is. Sometimes it doesn't always happen on a shorter term mission trip like I was on or like you were on in, in Florida. You probably didn't get a whole lot of chance to, to develop these strong friendships with the people whose drywall you replaced, but um, it was still something important. And I like to use the illustration of a tree being chopped down. Um, I, I've heard this illustration. I've used it many times. It's not original with me. But you're, if you're chopping down a tree with an old-fashioned axe, depending on how big the tree is, let's just use a number. Say it's going to take 317 chops of that axe to make that tree fall over. You might be on chop number 112, but that doesn't mean that chop 112 wasn't important. You just, you know, you just pray for the time when chop 317 comes and they, and they see that and, they, and these people finally realize, yes, I need to give my life to Christ. And, and so everything that we do in the name of Christ, as long as we are truly doing it in the name of Christ, not doing it to puff ourselves up, that's, yeah. that's important. You remember, you remember there's a Bible verse that says uh, some will sow and some will reap or something like that. Um, there, there was a guy I was listening to, um, and, and he was, uh, I forget who it was. He was talking about modern evangelism, and he said the church has to get used to uh, a lot of people in our culture don't know our stories and they don't know a lot about scripture and everything. And so we're spending a lot more time introducing them to Christianity. Mm -hmm. And it used to be they already knew Christianity. They already knew all our stories. And all we had to do was when they were ready, we'd have to yeah. say a prayer with them. He said, we're spending a lot of our evangelism trying to make people ready to where they can receive Jesus. Mm -hmm. um, and he says, a lot of what you have to get used to right now is your evangelism isn't always going to look like, hey, do you want to know Jesus? Would you pray with me? It's going to look like, hey, can I tell you about, um, you know, can I tell you about what Jesus said about this? Or I, I see that you're going through a struggle now. Can I tell you what I did in that struggle? Mm -hmm. And he says a lot of what you spend your time doing is putting pebbles in people's shoes. Um, and and I think that's, that's a really cool way to look at it is you talk to them in their heartache and you tell them, hey, I'm going to pray for you or something, which puts a pebble in their shoe to where they can't walk around without feeling that something is different. And then eventually they start to address that. And sometime down the road, maybe it's years, somebody's able to come in and say, hey, can I tell you about Jesus? Say, I'm ready. And that person's able to pray for him. But there's a whole line of people that was involved in that evangelistic process yep. for years and years and years. And he says, that's what we've got to. And we're we grew up in that mindset of like the, the great revival teachers and everything where thousands of people would come to Jesus all at once. And we've never altered our expectations of that. And I don't think that was the biblical model. And and I don't think we can do that in our culture right now. Yeah. But we have no excuse for not being evangelistic. Mm -hmm. um, we have well, no you know, excuse Paul, for... Paul said it too. He said it in 1 Corinthians. He said, I planted the seed. Apollos watered it. You know, God made it grow. That's what Paul said in, in 1 Corinthians. And, you know, so we all have our jobs to do. And I think that one of the keys may be just, Josh, what you said about at the very beginning, this opportunity came up. Just go with it. You know, the opportunity came up when I would have never thought of myself going to Russia, but just go with it. Don, the opportunity came up to help this inner city type of church in Chicago. 
just go with it. You know, we're, we're, we're looking at others. We're trying to do it in the name of Jesus, trying to help out with what, with what Jesus is doing. And, uh, well, do we have any other things that we want to bring up before we start getting the close or Josh, I, I really appreciate the fact that, uh, you brought this up today because as I said, it's close to not just your heart, but close to something you've just done. And, uh, anything, any last words, anything about what happened, any results that you saw there? Uh, no, I, I, I got to say, though, um, and, and this is just for anybody listening, um, a lot of us are growing frustrated that there's not a lot of young people that are responding to a call in the mini- into the ministry. A lot of us are growing frustrated that there's not a lot of young people recall, call, uh, responding to a call to missions. And at some point, we're going to have to look at the mirror and see that it's not all the young people. Um, we're not modeling for them. We're not we're not talking it up. We may be even complaining about our pastor when they hear it. Uh, we may be presenting the church in a negative light. And I, I would just like to encourage you, a church that talks about missions, a church that, church that talks about how they, they love their pastor, um, a church that talks about how, you know what, there may be a kid here this morning that might be called into missions and you need to pray about it and consider it. And a church that does that regularly it is not going to be among those who don't see their own people going in growing into that Mm -hmm. so um i I would just i want to encourage people just to to consider the way that they're they're mentoring the next generation and it could be that and and don don was talking about things at home we're doing this uh thing where we're preparing twenty thousand meals for kids or for uh, kids in haiti and operation christmas child and all this maybe you go to the atlanta office to help you know, package stuff or something. It could be that you need to take a little bit of a risk and do something that you haven't done before. Just so you can show your kids, your grandkids or your neighbors or some young people in the church that, hey, we can do this. Um, But I I would just like to encourage people, if you're complaining about there not being young pastors and about young people doing the wrong thing and all this kind of stuff, and you can look at your life and say, you know what, I am modeling something then keep complaining. <laughs> but the truth is most people that are modeling something aren't complaining. They're trying to fix it. So that's it. All right. Well, uh, any, anything else, Pastor Mac, that you'd like to share? No, we're good. We're it, good. It, it, well, it, you know, I know, I know that you're heading on a trip tomorrow, I guess, that in some ways could even be considered a mission trip, even though you wouldn't think about it that way, going to help with a situation that was a, tough situation where a young person took his life. Isn't that correct? Yeah, actually, my daughter will be uh, training, um, I think it's uh, teachers and health classes on suicide prevention with middle schoolers. And so uh, my daughter is doing the, the work. The next generation stepped up through my daughter, speaking of that, Josh. And uh so we are blessed by that. And I'm just going to go be a grandparent to a granddaughter. I really don't totally know. She'll turn a year here on Halloween. So I guess pray for me, podcasters, that I don't corrupt the child too badly as I'm the grandparent. So. Yeah. Well, and still, you know, you're, you're helping out in helping your daughter be able to be a missionary. You know, that's that's cool. So. And as we get older, maybe that's more of our role. Maybe we don't realize it, you know, because we, we model not just to our kids, but then to our grandkids as we get older. So that's a really good point. Well, guys, we're getting 
kind of to the end of time here, I would guess. Um, don't want to bore our listeners, but I do want to thank both of you, Pastor Mac, Don McDonald, for um, all the things that you've shared today. Pastor Mac is the pastor, as I said before, of Danforth Reformed Church, Danforth, Illinois. Pastor Josh Kugel from First Baptist Church of Lyman in uh, Gulfport, Mississippi. My name is Pete Vecchi. I'm associate pastor for Christway Community Church in Pleasantville, Ohio. And if you'd like us to uh, share with you or you'd like to talk to us or like to ask us any questions, please feel free to send us an email. Send it to rg at faithandfriendsradio.com. And uh, we'll be happy to hear from you. We'll be happy, hopefully, to be able to discuss any questions you might have. In the meantime, I hope that you keep listening to whatever it is we happen to talk about at any given date. I hope that these are edifying times for you. We certainly enjoy doing them together. So, gentlemen, it's been good to be with you again. Those of you who are listening, thank you for being with us. We, we truly appreciate each and every one of you. May God bless you. Have a wonderful day in the Lord. This has been Reconciling Grace. If you have a comment or a question for our panel, or if you would like to invite one or more of our panelists to share with your church or group, please send an email to rg at faithandfriendsradio.com. And thank you for listening to Reconciling Grace. Reconciling Grace.